my dad, my stepdad, who's sitting to my right, Michael Gross. Joining us today. Joining us today on Slouching Towards Enlightenment. Welcome. Welcome to Slouching Towards Enlightenment. <laughs> Great to Welcome, be here. Michael. Great to be here. And he's Thank a meditator you. or else we wouldn't have him on. <laughs> You're not invited unless you meditate. Actually, yeah. that's not true. We might have some non-meditating people. Yeah. Well, like maybe we want to do that at some point, have someone on who doesn't meditate. Excuse right. me, you have the unenlightened here? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I would yeah, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> um but it's 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 fun to have Michael on because well, one, he's a meditator. Some you know, there are people who know who he is. He was America's when he was America's father, he would come home and be my father. He's America's dad. <laughs> well, I was America's favorite Caucasian father. <laughs> okay, uh, fair. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yes. Bill yeah. Cosby was number one. And yes. there was this but also this Lily White number one. I think yeah. Yeah. Well, up yeah. In the Cosby car right, right, right. I'm I'm not yet remembered for for drugging women. Uh, <laughs> that that will come in time, but uh no. I Anyway, <laughs> did you ever drug my mom? <laughs> I tried. She's so resistant. <laughs> actually, have been made. actually, it doesn't, I don't need drugs. All I need to give her is a good meal. Yeah, <laughs> She's, you know, it's she like passes out. Honey, lamb shank, lamb shank, <laughs> and her She's eyes the, start to roll back. Yeah, up her right, head. right. She rolls in the grass like a dog. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so he, he was America's dad at the time. He'd yeah. come home and be my dad, and and neither of us knew how to meditate. Well, no, Michael knew how to meditate. I wasn't doing it at the time. He wasn't doing it at the time. I learned in twenty in twenty oh eight, and I think and correct me if I'm wrong. I think I in, in some through my commitment to it inspired you to get back to it. Yeah, um, to a degree. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me start to talk about it. A yeah, little and, bit about and why it. don't you go to when yeah. you first learned? Yeah, how you I learned everything. The, the very beginning. Yeah, I yeah. learned from from uh, a TM teacher. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Uh, back in nineteen, I'm going to guess nineteen seventy four. Cool. Okay, and. Um, and and Maharishi Mashyogi was a big deal back then. He was wasn't yeah, he on like Merv Griffin all the time, and yeah, yeah, he was he really was, making he made, the rounds. He made some appearances, you know, Time Magazine and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And when people were kind of discovering this and uh, in in a new way, and uh, uh, so you know, I mean, it was a time in the late '60s when you know the, the Beatles had a guru and right. all that sort of thing, and I right. think it was he, right? Was yeah. It? yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you know, he was a yeah, he was a he was a figure, and so I'll tell you what funnily attracted it to me because I'm a very uh, came from a sort of blue collar, uh, never buy retail, never shop retail, you know, get a bargain. This TM teacher was offering a two for one sale. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I can save money. You know, can I use S and H green stamps? Can I, you know, can I, can I buy? Anyway, um, uh, I I was at a theater in Louisville, Kentucky, 
uh, and uh, is that where you're from? No, no. Oh. I happened to. I, I was. It was my first job out of out of drama school, and I, it was a wonderful theater. Still, a very good theater called the Actors Theater of Louisville. Okay. And uh, I was there for three years, from seventy three to seventy six. So, were you hired to be in the company, or did you get? I a was play? hired to be in the okay. company, and and stayed there for three years as wow. part of their resident company. So, uh, in that first year, I was there. Uh, it just sounded like, you know, I'd heard about meditation and I thought, okay, that sounds kind of interesting and why not? Right. You know, and, um, and particularly if it's half price. So I enlisted somebody else at the theater, uh, and said, would you like to split the, was she she cute? No, not particularly. Actually, she was not. I shouldn't say that. But she had a pocketbook and she was ready to jump in. Now I can't say who she was. No, she, she. no, I can't, I can't say who she was right now because she was the loveliest person, but she, no, she was not really attractive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she, what a good heart. She was one of the nicest human beings in the world. And I made friends with her. And so I said, you want to do this? And she said, yeah, let's go do it together. And we did. And uh, my questions at the time, and I don't know what, what teachers confront these days was, I said, first of all, um, I I asked the teacher, you know, I think one of the questions you may get as teachers is, um, look, if this is going to save the world and make everybody wonderful and bring peace and humanity, why are you charging money for it? Just give it away we for get free. This all, we get this right. all the time. Of course. Right. And I was asking that question in 1974. And I, don't even, and I don't even remember the answer now. And I don't care. But that was one of the... But more important than that <laughs> was... Um, Look, I don't want to worship anything. Right. I don't want to worship. I don't want a new God. Mm-hmm. I don't want Krishna. I don't want. I, I don't want to. I don't want a new divine being in my life. I got enough of those. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, uh, one's plenty. And uh, and uh, so I said, if you can guarantee me, I don't have to pray to somebody, to worship somebody, to embrace a new religion. I'm there. I want a bit of serenity. I want a lower blood pressure. I want all the medical and physical things that will benefit me here. I don't. I don't want to adopt a new spirituality. So don't bother me with, uh, you know, that stuff. And the teacher said you're in the right place. The teacher said you're fine. Yeah. 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 You don't have to embrace anything new here. I. I wanted. The physical, I wanted the stuff I had read in Time magazine about lower blood pressure and stress. Yeah. yeah. And all those things. And I said, that's why I'm here. He said, you're in the right place, Yeah. essentially. So I said, good, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, will, I will say that it was at the very first revelatory, absolutely Oh, I love revelatory. I love this. Mm-hmm. I felt as if, now maybe it's just the, um, the, the physical it's the equivalent of the newly initiated. You are anybody who's newly initiated into something thinks that it's the best decision they've ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was, but I felt, I felt stronger. I felt I had more energy. Mm-hmm. I felt more peaceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I now whether I was telling myself because I had spent that money, I had made a good decision. Uh, uh, you know, it's um, what, what is it? You know, when the uh, the placebo effect yes. yeah. was it the mental placebo effect? I don't know. 
All I know is I felt great and I felt more focused and I, yeah, it was great. I don't, so I practiced that um, successfully for, for a number of years. At some point, I kind of fell away. I never forgot it, never forgot my mantra. Mm-hmm. From, a, mm-hmm. from time to time, I would go, but, but with no consistency. For years, yeah. I fell away from it. And I think I came back to a degree when, as Teo said, he became interested and I began to see him do this. And I thought, okay, I'm missing something. Believe me, I could have used it in the first couple of years of my marriage to your mother. <laughs> I mean, just because of the, just because, not because of her or you or your sister, but because it was such a massive change in my life. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it really did uh, unsettle me in a lot of ways. I had never been married before. And so it was not only a woman, a house, two children, a, a dog. dog. I had to buy my first car. Everything changed. <laughs> I lived an almost monastic existence and everything changed in an instance. So um, <laughs> I could have, so I was, I was, uh, it, it was sort of like, uh, um, uh, I think it was, uh, just put it under a pillow. Uh, <laughs> my phone is going off in the background. Um, so I think I was uh, uh, experiencing a kind of, uh, post-traumatic stress after marriage. I Seriously. Yeah. Because so much had well, changed. big changes. I was unprepared. I had not the yeah. tools right. for it. Um, so uh, I could have, I probably could have used, I mm-hmm. could have used that. I must say, uh, I've come back to it over the years. I am not, uh, I go through periods of doing it for months and months and months and I'm very, very good. And then we'll kind of drop away and go, oh, I'm too busy. Right. And then I'll come back to it again. When I come back to it, it's always good. It's a What makes you come back to it though? That's a good question. Uh maybe it's it's just like somebody in their diet saying, I've got a craving for salt right yeah. now, or I have a craving for <clears throat> sweet. There's a need there, an unmet need that I'm not quite sure of, but uh I f- feel the impulse to mm. do it again because I know it's an escape right. from something. Mm-hmm. Not entirely, you know, things bubble up. It's not entirely an escape from yourself because those things from yourself come to rise to the top, if you will, like, uh, you know, bubbles in a brew, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, uh, when yeast is rising or something, you just, you know, things, things start to happen. Uh, and you but, sort of remember, oh, right, there's this practice I can jump back into that will help. Yes, yes. But yeah. I know that if it's done, that if I I stick with it, um, there's something that really helps. My sleep improves. Mm-hmm. Uh, my general ability to deal with stress <coughs> or outs- outside, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. things. Uh, there's less stress. Um, it's... Yeah, it, it 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 brings a calm. It brings the I, the escape is the best way. I can say, if you know, for twenty minutes twice a day, yeah, it's not complete <clears throat> escape. No, because you're dealing with the self, and the brain is still working. Um, but it it brings some some comfort and the potential for even greater escape. The more I just get back to the mantra and catch myself, 
and 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 go back mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. I'll find it again. Yeah. And that escape also, I mean, in a way, what you're saying is you you meditate and then your your daily eyes open waking state is better because of it. It is. It yeah. is. It is. I mean, I think I'm a <laughs> kinder, gentler human being. <laughs> I'll never be completely kind and completely gentle because uh, I've been, you know, I've been stressed for longer than I learned meditation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, that's it's a lot of undoing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> once somebody once told me in a yoga class, Michael, <clears throat> and this is important for meditators, I think too, Michael, you are not going to undo in one yoga class, what your body has been preparing, doing right. to you for 50 years. Mm-hmm. That's how people hurt themselves. Yeah, It is a process. Don't try to fix this in one yoga class. It's not going to work and you're probably going to hurt yourself. So don't try to undo your stress in one series. If you're lucky, some of it, you'll, you'll get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But don't try too hard. It's a process, not an end in itself today yeah so uh, that's 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 a good reminder you can't undo it and you'll probably hurt yourself trying and you'll go all go about it all wrong yeah so i want to backtrack for a minute to the 1970s i want to take us back to the 1970s take us back to the 70s do you remember what you were thinking the first time that you do you remember that experience the very first time you meditated it's been a long time so it's so it's difficult, but um, it's a good question. I know I liked it. Okay? okay. So I know it was positive. And um and I remember one specific I just I it's funny, I go back to it, this wasn't right at the moment of meditation, but it was while I, shortly after I had learned, I remember going to a, an outdoor concert at Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, right down by the river. And it was a bluegrass concert. And I think it might've even Bill, been Bill Monroe and the bluegrass boys. And I got his, <laughs> and I got his, and I got his Not autograph. Not specific, but yeah. yeah. And it was, I got his autograph. There were so many in those days. There was Ralph Stanley and the Clinch Mountain Boys and Bill Monroe and the bluegrass boys. You're into bluegrass. You got to look into this. This for, is great. Oh, really? yeah. Don't you need bluegrass music yeah, right I'm now? I'm going to, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and at any rate, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but it was, um, but I remember I had so much energy that night and the music seemed to be just sort of drilling into me. And I was with a girlfriend and her, her sister and her brother and her brother-in-law. And it was just like a grand night. And I remember saying, thinking to myself foolishly, oh, I don't have to sleep tonight. I just have so much energy. <laughs> You know, it was shortly, and I just felt energetic and focused. And I remember, I don't remember the first time I meditated. Okay. I, rem- it, I think it was just uh, a, myself and my friend. Uh, we, I think we were initiated separately, but then we came in together mm-hmm. to a group meditation. And did you do a <clears throat> course sort of like you do, or is that just... I did do a I did do a course where I was you did a group course, for several right? days. Okay, <clears throat> yeah, came back. So that's know. always that's traditionally it's always it four always days. Okay. Yeah, you you learn um, four sessions over four consecutive days. Each session is about ninety minutes, whether you're doing it privately or with a group. Okay, yeah. it's a little difficult for me to remember that commitment, but all I know is I was most impressed. Uh, I thought I'd made the right choice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think you made the right. I choice. thought I got my money's worth. To well, put that's it in, huge uh, with you. <laughs> with me, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Uh, <laughs> my, people very, might not know this, but but Michael is tighter than Jack Benny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a friend, uh, I, I, a f- friend I was in a film with years ago with with Bette Midler and my friend Joe Grafazzi. Joe, yeah. And this was wait, was this big business? This is big business. Okay. Oh, I remember. Remember that movie? Remember that yeah. movie? Yeah. And, yeah. And I was, and uh-huh. Joe, yeah. And Joe, uh, Joe was working a lot with, with, with Bette. And uh, I met her on the set and Joe said to Bette Midler, this is my friend, uh, Bette, this is my friend, Michael Gross. I knew him when he had a reason to be parsimonious. <laughs> <laughs> this is That's how I was introduced to Bette Midler. <laughs> At any rate, um, <laughs> I knew him when he had a reason to be cheap, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he knew me so well. But I was always known as Two Beer Charlie, not because I was an easy drunk, but that was as much as I was going to spend on beer that night. Anyway, uh, and that was only when it was uh, one dollar a pitcher. At any rate, <laughs> so uh, so anyway, but I'll tell you the thing about the thing that stands in my way a little mm-hmm. bit. I think with meditation, even to this day, is. The, the reference to alcohol, the same reference to drugs. We were talking earlier about drugs. I was a child of the 60s. And yes, there was uh, there was marijuana and there were amyl nitrates and other things. and Quaaludes. Pop, yeah, there were all those Good, things. All sorts of colorful pills. And yeah. I, I did not like it. I was a person who had trouble giving up control. Yes. Uh, I had to feel I was in control. Mm-hmm. Drugs took that away from me. When Bill Clinton said I didn't inhale, I went, that was me. That was me. I didn't inhale too. Except you were telling the truth. I, yeah, 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 that might be true. I, did, I didn't I because I didn't want to. I felt as if I was my reason and my mind was compromised by drugs. Mm-hmm. My ability to maintain a kind of control, I think is the word. Yeah. over myself, my life, and my environment is compromised. Yeah. I didn't want to lose that ability. We've actually talked about this a lot I because so. I have such, I feel like I have such a fragile sense of reality in the first place that drugs scare me to right. to think that that could be shifted at all. I think is really terrifying to me. So similarly, so I, when, I get that, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. When I was passed the marijuana cigarette from my friend Raul and Vivian and all those kids I hung out with, <laughs> In 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 old town Chicago, in those days, I I knew to just you acted your way. I out of it. I knew I had to get a glow on the end of this of the marijuana, okay. so it would look like I was inhaling something. But all I wanted to do was to get that little red glow, and then I'd go. And hold it and pass, hold it and pass it oh, on. This is convincing. Then, yeah. Then, yeah. Oh, no, somebody else. And then, like when they weren't looking, I wasn't. Slowly exhaling nothing. I pretended to inhale a great deal of the time. So you've never actually. I have actually. Okay. Enough to know what it's like. Yeah. And enough to know. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like losing. I like clarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of losing clarity. I also. So this is this pertains to meditation in a way because in a sense you're giving something up. Right. You're giving yourself over to a mantra. And something other than yourself. I also know that I am resistant to hypnosis. 
I, I participated in something at Yale when I was in school where they were trying to, it was, a, it was in psychology and they were trying to convince some people that, um, psychology students that they were, some people were, were successfully, um, uh, under hypnosis and other people weren't. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was, and I yeah. was designated as one of those people who was highly, uh, um, uh, Unsuggestible? Uns- yeah. Resistant. Resistance yeah. is the word. To <laughs> hypnosis. Yeah. It was it was a difficult trip to get me there, if at all. They tried to hypnotize me several times. It's like, no effing way. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, so there's a resistance there. I think it's a control issue, too. You're going to make me do something I'm not supposed to do. You're going to make me do something stupid when I'm out. You're going to suggest something that I... You know, it's like, I, I, I'm resistant to that. So... Call it again, control, you know, uh, OCD, whatever. You know, it's like, no, I want to know my- Do you think you're OCD? Yeah. Oh, I know I'm OCD. He is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Certifiable. I I want to control my environment to a degree and giving that up to me is difficult. Yeah. To know I've gotten a lot better over time. What will hurt me and what won't? What's, what's, you know, what's worth fighting for and what isn't? Um, But yes- so I, I come by that honestly. Both my father and my mother were OCD, and my sisters both are. So it's a, it's a brain chemistry thing. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, and I take medication for it. Oh, good. Well, I'd like to have some of that. <laughs> we'll talk after the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> at any rate, yes, I'm not allowed to prescribe on podcasts. Yeah. I don't have a license. He's always looking to turn a buck, though. So he'll oh, see right, you. Right, right, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah, he'll yeah. set up a session. I got something in my coat pocket that might help you. <laughs> at any rate. Uh, I, um, uh, so I'm, so anyway, I participated in this thing. I found that I was highly resistant to, and I faked my way. I faked my way through, uh, with, with a student who actually thought I was meditating or thought I was under hypnosis and, and even came up with a hypnotic dream and all this stuff that I repeated when they took me out of Uh hypnosis. Anyway, I did this whole ruse to some poor student who, and who failed and said, like, no, he's, no, he's really hypnotized. Like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was faking you out. Anyway, so uh, that's part of the thing where I probably could get deeper, but part of me gets in the way of that a little bit. Yeah. Although I, but not much anymore, because I know it's one of the safest things in the world. This is meditation will not make you crazy. Meditation will not take, make you somebody who you already who you're not. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone has, or not everyone, but I think someone, I also have some maybe symptoms of OCD, but, or just, I think people who like control, there is that fear that, oh, I don't want to participate in something that could take away my sense of self or could take away yes. anything mm-hmm. that I have a grasp on. So, uh, yes, mm-hmm. I would say there was a trust issue mm-hmm. to a degree. Now, uh, uh, and you know, but I have that with a certain number of things, but it, I know it's totally safe right now, you know? So, so I think it's easier for me to, to let go. The one thing that still stands in the way is simply the amount of just my own brain, you know, but it's good to know that as a meditator, you can, as Teo, you know, teaches, and I've come to understand that uh, it's part of the process is, is sort of slough. It's like sloughing off dead skin. It's like, um, uh, uh, you know, re- hair remover. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a a good loofah for your brain. Yeah. You know, you, I like that. You're sloughing off stuff 
as part of the meditation and then keep yeah, finding your way back to us. Is that the name s- of this episode? A good loofah for your brain. Yes. That, that, now it is. That, that's, that's our episode. Yeah. That's, um, I, I was thinking about how, I don't know, this morning, I think when I was meditating that, uh, what was it? it, it you know, I, I was just thinking about enlightenment because, and this somehow this reminded me of this, but most people think when they get enlightened that what's what's happening is the individual is going to become enlightened. Therefore, the individual will be the one who gets to enjoy and be proud of this enlightenment. The and ego being yes. like, oh, look at me. I'm enlightened. Yes. Yeah. And most people think it's really their mm-hmm. ego that's going to become better. Right. Uh, in reality, what happens is the individual fades away and all that's left is enlightenment. The um, there's a merger that mm. takes place. the The universal takes over the individual. Now you are the universal anyway, and but it, the uni- the individual begins to fade, and all that's left really is your true self. Now you still have this thin shell of the ego because you can't get rid of the ego. It's it's there, but it's there to sort of hold hold the container of the personality together. But really. In that, in the process of of you know meditating twice a day for months and years and things like that, that individuality just starts to fade and you start to let go of it. Um, but it doesn't feel like a loss; it feels almost like a gain, right? In a sense. But when you really think about it, all you really did was surrender everything that didn't serve you in the first place, whether it's thought patterns or certain personality ticks, things like that. And it just helps the light to finally shine through and people and, and really what you come to learn is you're, you're not in control and you never, you never really were. And any attempt to control things actually makes things a lot worse. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, in a sense, I, if I can interpret what you're saying, it's that you are part of the universal. You just don't know it yet. That's right. right. You know, and that, uh, and this is a way to help you find a tool to help you find that to touch or base understand with that. that. Yeah. Yes, and to to fade a little bit into the backgrounds to understand that. I think that's an interesting way to. And when you transcend, you experience that, even even if it's momentary, you 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 experience universality, which feels like unboundedness. It feels right. like, well, there's I lost the boundaries of myself, and I. There was no individual thoughts. There was just pure awareness, and that gets imprinted. And then you, when you come out of it, you feel energized because mm-hmm. you you interfaced with that source of energy and creativity and intelligence. Mm-hmm. And then it gives the so-called the individual all this energy to go out and shine. But after a while, it's just what's left is universal in the micro Michael Gross container. Right. Well, I will tell you, um, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to what I originally started with, which which is, it makes me feel better. Yeah. I, I don't know if better I'm- Better how? I don't better. know. I, I get, you know, I'm, a, I'm from Blue Collar, Chicago, Illinois. I have a BS meter that is highly, you know, <laughs> attuned. So when you start talking about the universal, I can like, okay, I kind of, oh, look, I just want to feel better. And whatever you call that, being part of the universal or something like mm-hmm. that, I just know that if I I can get through an evening much better 
if that afternoon I have done my second meditation of the day. Now, whether that's putting me in touch with the universal or maybe that's just making me feel bloody good, I have no idea, I like but this it more works. Pragmatism. Yes. I like pragmatism. So it's not like the celestial pr- approach. It's very much the pragmatic, like this just helps Yes, me. This, this is And Michael helpful. is very pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. He's very practical. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me feel good. I'm getting results here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a blood transfusion or something. Or a mind, whatever. I know. A mind, I, blood transfusion. I have. Lufa scrub Lufa brain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I know it works. Now, uh, that being said, I will say sometimes it takes some discipline. There's always something else you'll find to do in the day. Right. All those preoccupations mm-hmm. in the day that will particularly keep you from a second meditation in the day. No, I'm into something right now. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, no, I got to prepare dinner. No, I've got to do whatever. And so I will say that entering into meditation and interrupting something else takes a certain amount of discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think discipline is any more or less than doing what you don't care to do when you don't care to do it. Yeah. You, it's like, I don't want to just effing do it. (laughs) Just show up. uh, I think uh, with no guarantee that it's going to work any more than a writer can sit down at the table and say, I'm going to be, oh, great things are going to come to me today. I'm going to write the perfect novel or any more than a a painter can show up in front of a canvas and say, I am going to put something incredible on canvas. For that to happen, and it may not happen all the time, you just you have to get the canvas in front of you, or the paper and pencil. The show up. The show up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it, yeah. and so I feel it's the same way with meditation. If I sh- if I promise myself this is going to feel good, you're you're on the wrong track. Just go. Right. Just go. Just do it uh, with no expectation of it being wonderful. Uh, ultimately, it will be wonderful. I think. But 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 that only takes time. It's not going to happen with one meditation. It right. may not happen in the same. It, it's it's like. I don't know. You had a pretty great time at that concert. I did have a good time <laughs> at that concert. Maybe it was maybe it was bluegrass. Maybe it was. I don't know how much of it was. But uh, I do know that um, uh, sometimes you just have to will yourself to do it. I don't want to always sit down mm. and interrupt something. I'm in the middle of something. No, Michael. Just sit down. It's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. Right. And then I inevitably say, oh, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. Yeah, because then also you, when you go back to attending whatever you need to attend to, you're attending to it with a little less stress, a little more creativity, a little more insight. It's funny. I, I'm From my perspective on things, Michael's the most disciplined person I know, and I am the least disciplined person that I know. Um, but I have this, and because of that, I have this on my phone. It's my screensaver. Mm. And this is not f- because I'm a meditator. For some reason, I just meditate. I, I have the discipline to do it, but I'm not a very disciplined writer, and I'm a writer. <laughs> so this is a quote from Abraham Lincoln, which I just love. Mm. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I love that. Isn't that good? Yeah. And that, putting that quote on my phone has helped me write more. What you want most? Because I, I'm always going to open up my phone yeah. to see that do nothing yeah. on it, and yeah. and I see that first. And it's like, oh yeah, 
what do I want most? I want to finish my writing projects. I want to. It's, it's about looking long-term rather than short-term yeah. in yeah. some ways. Yeah. It's, you know, like that old joke about how did you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Right. You do your scales every day. The the stuff that's so unpleasant to do, and yet it's the most necessary. Mm-hmm. What is football about? It's about going back to blocking ta- and tackling constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say he's a great football player. Yes, but he blocks and tackles in practice constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the basics in some ways. So to keep going back to that as a sports person or as a musician or a writer or just a human being is, how do you get through marriage? Listening to the other person when you don't particularly care to being pretending you're interested in their story when you're not. Oh, I'm going to tell you what happened to me today. Oh, I so don't care to hear this because my mind is in my own place. <laughs> but what you, say but you is... sit down and you practice your scales. Yeah. You sit down and you say, I'm going to listen to this person because this is what makes a good marriage. Yeah. Because we are connecting when I don't particularly care to connect. Yeah. She doesn't want to listen to me, maybe. I don't want to listen to her. But we're going to do it. But we're going to do it because it makes it bonds us. Right. Yeah. I had now, a dog once that I didn't particularly care for. I, is that possible? I didn't particularly care for this dog. It was Sitka, Sitka our old yeah. American Eskimo, oh. who was a kind of a pain in the ass. Okay. I never learned to appreciate him so much as when we finally, I got together with Sitka and a trainer. And I realized... Sitka was not badly behaved. He wanted to please me. I didn't know how to train. He didn't know how to follow orders. I learned to love the dog by showing up in a kind of disciplined way for our co-training. Yeah. Uh-huh. I learned to I learned to help him. He learned to please me. And it was by showing up. I'd still be, I would still be yelling at him yeah. if I, and just like, oh, Sitka, stop this or stop that. And I didn't know how he wanted to please me. He didn't know how. Right. And I didn't know, I didn't have the tools. So I got together with the trainer and I learned to love the dog, but that was only by showing up and working with the dog, mm-hmm. with the trainer. Again, the discipline of saying, I'm going to schedule something. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. schedule a session. And it does take discipline. Yeah. I mean, it does take discipline yeah. to do twice a day. Well, I always tell my students, schedule the second one. Right. First one's kind of kind of easy unless you're right you a mom yeah. of twins. Of twins. Of twins, of yes. Of one-year-old twins. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, it, but normally you get up and you can meditate because you're in your meditation spot or no one's breathing down your neck. Right. Second one is difficult. You have to schedule it. But, you know, I think, and, and this goes back also to why we charge. You know, if you, if you invest then you want to return on your investment. Yeah. And then you'll do it and some of those cumulative benefits will start to show up and you'll think, oh, that's what I want. And now I know how to sacrifice those 20 minutes in the afternoon because if I can be like this for a greater percentage of the day, I'll be happier. Right. And and I won't be such an asshole. I to agree. The people I, I agree love with that, and, particularly you know? about charging because particularly in this, um, in the world we live in, we're defined by how much we make mm. The self-worth, what something is worth because it's really expensive. Oh, did you get a $70,000 car or did you just get a $30,000 car? <laughs> you know, we're defined by how much we pay and our enjoyment. It's like, yeah, I'm in a $70,000 car. Take a look at it, baby. I'm just, as, I'm not riding in a, you know, 
in the, in the subcompact. I'm in something <laughs> a lot better. Right. So we, so yeah. I understand charging for meditation is something because we do to, if we get something free in some ways, I think it's just another entitlement. We don't respect it. We feel, in we feel, yeah. oh, I mean, I'm entitled to be enlightened. No, you work at it a little bit. Thank yeah. you yeah. very much. It's going to, it's practice. It's going to take Normal. some, it's, gonna, it's yeah. practice. Yes. Can I ask a technical or maybe logistical question? Yes. Did you have to relearn when you came back around to it? And did your mantra change or did it stay the same? And sorry if this is too personal. No, no it's not too personal. Uh, I actually had an old mantra for many, 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 many years, which I never forgot. And still remember to this day because, you know, it's a simple, simple thing to remember. Just a couple syllables or right. maybe one at only one, but... Uh, so I remember it. And actually, when I was with Teo, he gave me a new mantra. I suggested once. I said, yeah. look, I've had this old one for so long. Do they get dingy after a well, while? He no. said to me that I've changed or that I'm a different person than I was yeah. when I was given that mantra yeah. at age 27. Right. It's a lot of years ago. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what yeah, I remember you said to me. There's a few ways to where you're... Where, there's different scenarios why you wouldn't have the mantra you first got. Um, you you could get a first advanced technique. So after you're meditating, you're eligible for an advanced technique, which is sometimes a, a change to the mantra, sometimes a little elaboration to it. But there's per, there's reasons that we do that after a year of meditating. So that's one way the mantra changes. Okay. The other, and this is this is actually a little, Michael's case is a little more rare. If you meditate for a while and then stop for a long period of time and then come back to it, you're, you're, the, the mantras are, you're in a different stage of life. And, and I gave him the option. You can continue to use your mantra and I can give you an advanced technique, but you are, it'd been like 20 years, 30. It had been a long time. 30, I, I, that yeah. I was doing, you know, I've, Go on for a week and then yeah. go, you know, just, what we don't do I wasn't is, doing it regularly. Yeah, it wasn't we don't, and it wasn't something. Right. That you no, not at all. And we don't give people mantras because they don't like theirs because you, the mantra you have is the, the mantra that for your stage of life, that is, that is a very specific mantra to that nervous system. And I, three decades had passed since, right. you know, where he wasn't meditating and, and was, it was time for. I was just open to it. I yeah. Said, yeah. Okay. Let's. Sure. And you loved it. You had a good experience with it. Yeah, I think I did. And yeah. I still still do. Yeah. I I mean I, I have no it's like, oh, I need something else. No, it's if there's anything standing in the way of meditation, it's me. <laughs> it's not my <laughs> mantra. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. It's just the discipline of showing up and you know, and um um I will say I was influenced. I I hadn't thought about this until just now. Uh I was I I dated uh I dated a young lady, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful lady, uh, when I was in graduate school, who was a big practitioner of TM. Hmm. Okay. And um, she enthusiastic. And I would let her, and I wasn't the least bit interested in graduate school in this. Uh, uh, but Wait, this is before you learned. This is before I learned. Okay. This is at and, Yale? Yes, yeah, it was at Yale. Okay. okay. I was in graduate school there and... But I, it was within a year or two of leaving graduate school that I took it up myself. So she had a kind of influence. It's like, oh, I knew about this right. and I heard yeah. about this. And and I would let her, undisturbed, do her 20 minutes when we were together. And it's like, I need to go away. So have at it. 
Well, you know, did I want it for part of my life? Not necessarily. It's like, oh, I'm glad you're enjoying this. You just let it. You had to come to it yourself. You had to. I came to it that. myself. Yeah. Now, again, we're going to get to the practicality about this. I don't know much <laughs> about. So when years later, I've kept in touch with a lot of old friends, as you have, Teo. Uh, years later, she w- progressed to a certain degree in uh, uh, TM. Mm-hmm. And she said, one day to me, this was after, you know, long after graduate school and I'd taken it up. She said, I'm flying now. Yeah. I'm flying. (laughs) And I said, you're what? She said, I'm flying. I levitate. I kind of come off the ground. And she explained it to me. And I thought to myself, that is bullshit. (laughs) Again, practical, blue collar. My dad worked in a factory, Michael Gross saying, oh, get off of it. Right. You know, uh, you've been sold a bill of goods. I'm glad it's helping you and I'm glad you're happy, but I don't buy it. And, uh, you know, and advanced courses and things like that. I don't mean to, I don't, look, we each seek our own path. Yeah. All I'm saying is this is my path. I don't think, I. for me, it was bullshit. For her, it worked. And I say many paths to the same goal. Yeah. Whatever, if if this is working for you and you are, flying or levitating, whatever you want to call it, I am thrilled for you. That is not who I am. Again, I'm a person who wants to stay in control. I'm, you know, like, okay, uh, there's a kind of rigidity about me. People sometimes say, uh, uh, you know, were you like that character you played on Family Ties? Uh, that that nope. sweet father, <laughs> and I go. No, I was more like Alex P. Keaton. Uh, I I was there was a kind of rigidity mm-hmm. a, about me to feel safe, right? You know, yeah. to control my environment. And uh, there was a great line in uh, in 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 an episode of Family Ties where uh, we. Mallory, the girl played my daughter, brought brought uh, brought home oh, a, yeah. a young guy named Nick, <laughs> and 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 we're sitting at a family dinner, and Nick is this alternative uh, artist. Uh, and he uses garbage. Ty, he yeah. made things from garbage, and uh, uh, and uh, completely alternative lifestyle from our sort of middle class life, and uh, he's Alex is. Alex P. Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox, was extremely rigid. And uh, uh, and remember Nick uh, saying, hey, you know, they noticed he was wearing an earring. And Nick said, yeah, yeah, Alex, you should get an earring. It'll, it, it'll loosen you up. Loosen you up. And I think he took the earring out of his ear and offered it to Alex. And Alex put up his hands and politely said, loosen me up. He said, no, Nick, I... I like tight. <laughs> you know, I like being wound up. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fine tight. Don't don't loosen me. Thank yeah. you. I'm 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 good with tight, and I feel in some ways that's who I am, rather than this very loose character. You know, I I played on television. Uh, I'm I uh, no, I don't like tight, but tight is familiar. <laughs> I don't say it's good for me, right? Which is which is one of but the it reasons I meditate. Uh-huh. Yeah, to become. A little less tight. Well, so this is, I, I love this bringing up the flying because I've asked, I was like, yeah. all right, just be honest, be honest. No, no, but I've said this in the past. Like, right. 
no, this I'm is not, not our... Look, I'm not here to disparage anybody no, else's... No, no, but I, you no. and I are very similar I'm not here to disparage anyone else's these... practice yeah. and how they find it so, and how they find uh, themselves. Well, I, I would have to say that because I know, I know what she does. I've learned what she does. And I would say that to call it flying is misleading. Um, and to uh, the reports on levitation that, you know, that she gave you, I've never felt that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I call it something, wait, what do you? Sorry, I just wanted to make sure it was still recording. going. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's called, it's called yogic flying. It's part of, uh, a part of, it, it comes from Patanjali's yoga sutras and it's a, it's a system of yoga. And, and we use, we have these things called sutras and these sutras that we repeat, they're almost like mantras, give, gives us a city, S-I-D-D-H-I-S. And the cities are what Patanjali would call the superhuman powers. Now, when you look at these superhuman powers, there are things like friendliness and, um, and nice. compassion. and Also nice. Right. And you layer these in. And with the, the theory is, is that if you do this process, this technique, these capabilities expand within you and they're layered. You know, you, the reason why there's avalanches is because there's a light snow layer of snow, and then there's a heavy snowfall and the weight of that slides on the lighter snow. So it would be better if the heavier, more stable stuff was, was layered at the bottom first. So the system layers correctly different attributes of a human character mm-hmm. to um, to ultimately give you some unity, which is what yo- yoga means to join. You know, yoga is to yoke. That's where we get the word yoke from. And sutra comes from, that's where we get our word suture. We're bringing together Sewing still. Sewing it together. And, and it culminates in this, uh, in a city that what they would call yogic flying. Now, I feel like uh, maybe who, you know, I don't think blame should be thrown around, but um, either a teacher was being just a little irresponsible or she was taught well and she was being a little irresponsible because the wise do not bewilder the ignorant. And if you're going out and mood making and saying, I'm flying now, I'm levitating, you're bewildering people and turning them off. No one, it isn't true. You know, to to say that to someone makes that person, she's hoping someone else will think that she's lifting up off the ground and hovering around the living right, room. Right. And it's 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 false. It's a very good. The, the yoga sutras are amazing, and but I wouldn't even know how to talk about them in this podcast without bewildering people. But um, we'll save that for the advanced. We'll podcast, save that. Yeah, of but, which I am not a. Yes, but I co-host. do what she does, <laughs> and I have never levitated or flown. There's a, this yeah. is it, neither of my friends. We, it's, a, it's something else. I think it's very misleading and it got TM into hot water. But I've I read th- a little bit about it and it sounds like it's more of like a bouncing that people participate in. That it's, are, it's true. There's an energy that, that comes up. Mm-hmm. It's Kundalini mm-hmm. and it, you can feel it. I mean, I, the first time I ever felt this was actually right before my first trip to India, I was meditating on Woodley and La Cunada in the back room. Yeah, all the lights were out and I felt a, a 
it was like a trembling energy at the bottom of my spine and, and it didn't feel uncomfortable, but I remember it kind of brought me out of the deep space I was in. I thought, what the hell is this? And it started to rise and then it shot up and a, an, there was a pop that came from the back of my neck, an audible loud pop. You should have that looked at. Okay. I should, <laughs> totally. And it was, and, and, and after it happened, I felt... It was as if someone had given me a chiropractic adjustment, but it was an upward movement. Okay. And generally you learn these things. Now, now um, I don't know how far I should go with this, but on the plane ride home, but then I learned all these cities and I learned how to do this. And, and you're sort of taking a ride on that upward going energy. Now, Kelly, you know, she has some major Kundalini stuff. She started doing this on a, on a plane ride from Long Prabang, Laos, to Bangkok, Thailand, and she didn't know what was going on. Did she, she was, get ejected from the flight? She did. <laughs> she did. There's a problem with somebody in yeah. 4C. <laughs> and she she was just in a meditation and started doing this automatically. She had never even heard of the cities. And she was bouncing up and down and and what it does is it fills you with bliss. It's like a champagne I, I bottle. I think I'd love the, I'd, yeah, I love yeah. the sound of and it. And she was yeah. cracking up and jumping up and she undid her seatbelt. And I'm like, sit down. <laughs> I'm the meditation teacher and try and right. teach this stuff. And I'm like, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> she didn't know what was happening. I had to debrief her after this, but it is a thing. But this there's kind- no reason to mood make and go around trying to miss you know no and she wasn't trying to mislead me she was ex- she was explain trying to explain as best she could right uh the excitement she was feeling at something at at, at the progress she had mm-hmm. made she uh, you know one of the most sincere and she wasn't trying to initiate me she wasn't trying to get me to be what i wasn't i mean we were yeah. years apart at this point uh, she was just saying, "There's this marvelous thing that's beginning to happen to me," mm. and that's what she, that was the word she put. It, it sounds like a labeling or like a semantics issue. Yeah, exactly. She it she labeled is, yeah. she labeled it as yeah. such, and she described it to me, and I went, "Oh, you're kind of bouncing in your lotus position, that's or whatever." Exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. that's and, it. And uh, so I was like, "Oh, okay. If you want to call that flying, call it flying." <laughs> but uh, I call it a bounce, and uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, again. I'm a sort of rock. I'm I'm skeptical yet have an open mind. If I hadn't had an open mind, I wouldn't have started this. Right. But again, it was preceded by skepticism. Uh, do I have to worship something here? No, thank you very much. Why don't you do it for free? You know all that yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you know I began to love it because of I wanted practical results. Now, does your wife meditate and your mom? She does. She, she does. She does. She's not occasional. Not as not as often. You know something? I think she has a natural serenity that I don't. That's really lovely. That's nice. Which is probably one of the reasons I married her. Mm-hmm. I was attracted to it. And I need it. And I need what she has. So I don't think she needs it to the degree I do. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, think she's calm. She's a calmer, she solid. She does have more uh, serenity, I think, yeah, natural I think serenity she, than you do. Yeah. She reached out to me, um, you know, went after after the thing this week happened and saying that she was having trouble meditating and saying that she was having, um, she's like, I I just can't stay on the mantra, which shows you how a 
occasional of a meditator she is. Okay. Because, you know, the, the main instruction is don't stay on the mantra. Yeah. And it's very easy. F- even meditators forget this. You know, you can be meditating and human nature just takes over and thinks, oh, it's all about the mantra. It's about staying on the mantra. It's really about letting go of the mantra. If you don't, if you don't transcend the diving board, you'll never get in the pool. If you don't let go of the mantra, you'll never transcend. So still to this hmm, day, she has this, she has this idea that it's about sticking with the mantra and, and repeating it. And mental repetition is not, um, uh, a clear pronunciation. It's a faint idea that we ultimately let go of and our mind begins to wander. And when your mind begins to wander, that's when you know you're really meditating. That's, that's when it really starts happening. You know, skateboarders, they, they push off and then they ride. Yeah. And then they push off and they ride. Pushing off is the, is mantra? the mantra part. And then riding is kind of the meditation part. Mantra is everything in a sense that it's an orienting device to give you to give you that push into that effortless mind wandering. And then you can be wandering for 30 seconds, half a minute. Uh, that's the same thing. Uh, five minutes or 10 minutes. And then you're there's that, what, what am I doing? Oh, I'm off the mantra. And that's when you gently come back. Um, mom doesn't get this. You know, she's, she's just probably class. just, and she will with practice because she's a person who is very intuitive yeah, and a person who is, you know, I should have half her serenity. And so she, she, she will get it. She just needs to be reminded. Right. And, and that's yeah. what I love that she told me because yeah. it was, it was my chance to do something for my mom who has basically given me everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it was my, it, it was, I loved it. I could say, you know, just that gentle reminder that it's not about that. Just let it go. Let mm-hmm. it go. We're always into the business of letting go of the mantra. I will tell yeah. you. I, we, we knew where this story, story started is that my saying, wow, I can get this for half price. Wow, I'm getting a two for one sale. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to round that off by saying, I like this so much that I, I, have, I came to Teo and said, I have a friend who really needs what you needs meditation. This person is close to me. I love this person very much. He needs help. I think this can help him. And I'm going to pay full price. <laughs> that's a, well, there that's you have a, it. That, a, that, it. You need proof that meditation works. A brilliant, blazing <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Michael I Gross will, wanted to pay full I price. will pay you what it's worth. And wow. because I believe in it. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And did it work out for your friend? He has yet to begin these. Yeah. Teo has reached out to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, uh, he, when uh, he's in Southern California. So when Teo goes back there, uh, he will, he will, uh, he will begin, uh, the, the process. Uh, he will begin his initiation and I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to (laughs) be, I can't wait. I can't wait. What else? And the check is on its way. It's in the mail, uh, Teo. It is the a check. little, a little something extra in your pay in your pay envelope this week. <laughs> Extraordinary. Yeah. Good. Good. What else? Well, I think. I mean, we've hit like. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to ask Michael? Any live? Oh, I know. 
Well, it's New Year's Eve. It's the very last day of 2020. Wow. And I think that should be acknowledged because this has been a rough year. Yeah. You learned how to meditate in yes. 2020. Um, there were, and for all the meditators, yeah, she learned Juba. in June. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think the, the quarantining has been so much easier with twice daily meditation. Uh, I think I really embraced it anew when we came here, when the shutdowns first started. It wasn't as if I wasn't doing it at home. I was. We came to Santa Fe, mm -hmm. where we are today, and uh, we got locked down. And we were here for months, and I, I really think it made all the difference in the, in the way I've reacted to the quarantine. Mm -hmm. Now I will admit, uh, I'm not an essential worker. I didn't have to ride public transportation. You know, I wasn't exposed to COVID daily. I wasn't living in a house with multiple people who might expose me to it. I had a lot going for me already. Mm -hmm. So um, I wasn't a frontline worker, and. Um, uh, but I think, but I think meditation was That's the awful. icing on that cake. Yeah. It was already a cake. Mm -hmm. I had, I had stuff on my side. What kind of cake? <laughs> carrot. Carrot. Oh, I was going to say carrot. <laughs> Chocolate wouldn't be far behind. So do you have any new year's resolutions? You know, I haven't thought about that. I, I no, I haven't. How about you, Brie? I haven't thought about it either. I've been so in it. So yeah. You know, I've always just felt that every day is another possibility to get it right, to improve. Yeah. And if you know, if I get up with that intention, mm -hmm. that's a kind of resolution in itself. Okay, yeah. another another way, another day to maybe get it right. You know, to to make a an incremental improvement, improvement as opposed to. I, I will say that I want to say one other thing, if you don't mind. My am I going Please. over time? Oh, yeah. not at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I once. Uh, 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 I stopped smoking uh, at a time it was difficult for me. I had smoked for many years, and I stopped at about age 35. I was maybe a pack-a-day person, um, but I loved my cigarettes. I really did. And, uh, but I stopped when I had a slight cold, when I was out of work, and when I was unattached to a female. You know, I was mm -hmm. sort of on my... There were a lot of things going wrong. And so I... People will say, a good oh, time to uh -huh. uh, give up a habit you rely on. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And so people will often say to me, um, I, I can't give up smoking now. Times are too bad. Uh, and I've adopted people over the times on the great American smoke out days and things like that. And I said, no, I would suggest picking, picking a time that is really bad. And they say, how do you do that? And I say, well, as bad as things are, you can point to one Thing in your day that you're doing right, which is not smoking. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not feeling well. You're not in a relationship. Work is shit. You're a little low on cash. But by God, I haven't had a cigarette. Today. Right. That's a so, great point. So I, f I have one. Life is so out of control, but there's one small thing I can control. And again, it's partly discipline. Mm -hmm. Is to say, I'm going to sit down twice a day and meditate. Everything else is shit. Maybe I have control over these two 20-minute portions of yeah. my day. Does it feel like a lot to you or does it feel like it's it goes quickly? Like they're Oh, sometimes it can go very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I can completely get lost. And other times, you know, depending on, you know, just how it's going, yeah. it can seem like it never feels like 20 minutes is way long. 
It doesn't. But before I meditated, it always that sounded like so much of the day. Oh yeah, I couldn't get through minutes a day. Are you I couldn't kidding? get through five minutes. Yeah. of meditation before I learned this. Exactly. It was excruciating. Then I learned this, and it's like no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that transition from thinking that sounds like a really long time to then doing it and and saying, oh, that actually it's went easy. really quickly. You know, yeah. One other last thing about practical things. I, I do again. I'm talking to per, you know you're talking to a person who really just wants results. Um, uh, there are some people who say, "Oh, the key to longevity is is red wine, or the Mediterranean, <laughs> or the Mediterranean yeah. diet, or this or that or the other thing." And the the and the, there's some people who've added to that and say, "Well, it's it's all part of how you live." But there's one big thing that happens in Mediterranean countries that we don't do, and that is an afternoon siesta. Oh yeah, they rest. They rest, yeah. they rest their minds. They may close, may or may not close their eyes, but things shut down, and they shut out their stress for a little bit every day. And so I would say. That, that I kind of buy that. Yeah, they yeah. shut down that a little bit. That makes so much sense. A little sense. like yeah. a bear yeah. in hibernation or a little like 20 minutes twice a day in meditation. Yeah. I Again, I go back to the practical aspects of it. Will this help me maybe avoid disease? Will this get my blood pressure down? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have a blood pressure problem, but will it help mm-hmm. it from going up? Where are the... I want practicality. I don't want. I don't need my head in the sky. Yeah. I don't need it again. A new deity. I just want practical. Exp- you know. The, mm-hmm. I want to know this is working. I want us to helping my body and my mind. Yeah. So that's again. That's what I'm left with here. The practical meditator. <laughs> yes. Michael's the practical meditator. Okay. Thanks. Thank it's you for been... joining us for the practical med- meditator. <laughs> yeah. The new name of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so. Have yourself a good loofah tonight. I will on my second meditation, <laughs> my brain loofah. Thank you. Thank you so it's much. Been a yes. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for, for thanks for coming us. and and giving us all your practical <laughs> advice. I love it. I'm not practical at all. He is. This is good. This is good it's for me. It's a good me. balance. It is. Yeah. So it's it's something that works for everybody. You can take yeah. you can take somebody like me and you can take somebody who 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 wants a, 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 who wants a celestial experience. Yes. yes. Uh, that's definitely. I, I wouldn't mind one, but it's. I think it's a little harder for me to come by. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should stop meditating if you mm-hmm. don't have it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All yeah. right. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Oh. Are we good? information on Vedic meditation, please visit teoburkhart.com. Slouching Towards Enlightenment is produced by The Moon Recording Company, executive produced by Teo Burkhart and Brian Rose. Our theme music is Supplicant's Song by Fredo Viola. <laughs> <laughs>